Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Like the Lord has uh, allowed me to have something today that I think will be a blessing. Let me just ask this. Who, who all has experienced, experienced hardships in life? I mean, something you didn't see a way out of. Yeah, okay, well, quite a few. All right, most, most in, in fact, you know, there's the hardships and things that, that you don't have the answers to. That, that's, that is a, for me, that's, I think for most men, probably a difficult place to, to find yourself in. We like to be able to have the answers. When people look to me, <clears throat> they come to me with questions. I, I really prefer to be able to give them an answer, but sometimes there is no answer. Sometimes there's only a miracle that, that can take place, and, and we pray for miracles. So those of you that just raised your hand that you have experienced hardships and places in your life that you have, that you have found yourself in a, a, a position, a predicament, a situation where you really had no answer, didn't see a way out, how many of you can also say that God made a way where there was none? Yes. Amen. I still believe in miracles today. I don't believe God has shut off the miracle factory. Amen. I believe God is still looking for people that have uh, uh, that are, are willing vessels to be able to allow him to move through them. Churches, amen, that still believe in miracles and, and God's awesome working power. I believe this is that kind of church. Am I, am I wrong or am I right? Are we a kind of church that still believes in miracles today? I want to preach to you this morning out of the book of 2 Kings, and I'm going to give you my title right off the bat, because sometimes sometimes in our advancement towards a miracle, you don't realize the miracle is going to come. If God filled us in on everything, we probably would not uh, have to be worried about many things, because God has a plan in, in everything that he does. But there are some times when... when uh, Life in general can just get you in a place where all you can do is limp towards the miracle. And that's the title of the message today, Limping Towards the Miracle. It was a very dark time for the nation of Israel uh, in the text, uh, 2 Kings. Uh, they were surrounded by their enemies and literally being starved out of existence. Now, if you go back and read in 2 Kings chapter 6, you'll see kind of how it sets up where we're talking about here. And they had even, it had gotten so bad that they had resorted to cannibalism. And uh, that's bad. Uh, that I, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine that taking place. And I'm not saying the entire nation was doing that, but there were instances where this was taking place. That's gross, disgusting on every single level, but that's the situation that they were in, and that's what was taking place. So the king of Israel, he's walking by, and he hears people calling down, and he's asking. He's, he's heartbroken. He doesn't know what to do. And in the midst of all of this, in the midst of this famine, God is about to change their circumstances, but he's not going to do it in a way where the king is going to get the credit. He's not going to do it in a way where some mighty men of valor is going to get the credit or some army or military expertise is going to be able to take credit. He is going to do it through some very unlikely candidates. Elisha's in the midst of this famine, but he begins to prophesy in the middle of barrenness, and he gives a specific date. 
He says, by this time tomorrow, things are going to change. We're going to have food. We're going to be okay. And this is what he says in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. He is speaking to this, this man who was under the leadership of the king, but he's not got a lot of confidence. Elisha says, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, Thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt, thou shalt not eat thereof. The voice of doubt begins to speak to the voice of faith, the prophetic voice of faith from the man of God. The man of God, he looks at the voice of doubt he said, you're going to be around long enough to see that what I'm saying is true, but you're not going to survive to partake in the miracle that God is going to provide. What a terrible place to be. Amen. I want this church to be right in the smack dab middle of God's will. If you read the same Bible that I read, it does not talk about a church that is going to be washed up and, and, and crawling off in a hole somewhere in the last days. But it's talking about a church that is going to be vibrant. I want to be right in the midst of God's last day church because it is going to be a church of power. It's going to be a church of promise. It's going to be a church of fulfilling prophetic words that are in the scriptures today. He looks at him and he says, you'll see it, but you're not going to eat thereof. You'll see that what I'm saying is true, but you're not going to reap any of the reward. I don't know if there's anything worse than being told that you can look at something shiny and beautiful, but don't touch it. Right now, if you come into our family room, there upon the, uh, on the mantle of, of uh, the, the fireplace, you will find where my wife is. She's beautifully laid out uh, in the midst of, uh, right in the middle of that fireplace mantle, there, there is a, there's a whole town set up. And, and we've got a, a little popcorn stand that pops in. We've got a little skaters that skate around. Uh, and we've got people coming in and out of the church uh, there. And right in the middle of all that, there is a little FedEx, uh, <laughs> a little FedEx thing that doesn't fit in at all in anybody else's house. But in our house, that's where it's going to be. And uh, we have enjoyed so much watching Reddick. Uh, he is fascinated by this. He, he will ask my wife to pick him up, and he will sit there and, and watch and look at stuff, but he wants to reach out and touch, and we have to keep telling him, 
No, 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 no. That's, that is probably the most used word in our household at this time when Reddick is anywhere uh, around. No, 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 no. Reddick, don't do that. Reddick, get that. No, no, you can't get up there. No, no, you can't put that in your mouth. No, no. And he wants to touch everything. He sees something new and, and it's shiny and bright and something that wasn't there yesterday. And, and he, it's not good enough to stand there and look at it. He wants to reach out and touch it. We have to constantly tell him, no, that's, that's one of Nana's pretty things. You don't touch that. You just look at it. What did I say? Oh, I think he understands more than what I thought he did throwing stuff at me. No, no, Reddick. God's timing is perfect, but I'm not sure this is a spiritual moment right here. <laughs> That's a bad place to be. I can remember my dad taking me as a, as a, as a little boy and one of my favorite places to go was Myers Honda Shop over in Percy. I remember back in the day when it was still downtown Percy along that little strip. Some of you remember that. And before they moved out to the new place, now they're gone all together. And I can remember going in there and thinking, maybe this is the day that dad's going to buy me that mini bike, that motorcycle. Maybe this is the day. Because in my mind, I thought if we, if we went there, as much as he liked motorcycles and as much as he loved me, that maybe, just maybe, he would buy me one of those but but I would always want to get on he's like no you stay off that and, and he was right look don't touch Elisha said you're going to be here long enough to see how wrong you are but you'll not get the taste of that miracle and then something most incredible happens because if you read on into the scriptures here in verse 3 it says there were Four leprous men. We go from a prophet and a man of war, a man that served in, under the king, down to four leprous men. The Bible says there's four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city. We shall die there. There's no point in going on into town, fellas. They're all in just as bad shape as we are. They're just as hungry as we are. There's no answers in there. There's no point in stepping one foot inside of the city. If we go in there, we're just going to die. And if we sit right here, we're going to die as well. So therefore, let us come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. The Syrians were who had them surrounded. The Syrians were the enemy. The Syrians were the cause of their famine. And if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we're going to die anyway. Why not just get it over with? And so in their minds, they're trying to, they're trying to calculate their chances and their best their best chance at survival was to go to the camp of their enemy. But God was about to do something. We're not going to sit here until we die. We're not going to go into the place that can't help us. We're going to go 
to the place that seems very unlikely, but there is a chance, there's just a chance that maybe they'll give us some food and we'll live. The Bible says they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of, the, of Syria, behold, there was no man there, for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. So in other words, what we're to understand is that these four leprous men are walking down the road towards the enemy camp. And somehow, some way, God takes their footsteps and he creates, he magnifies it, he does something with it and causes the enemy to hear the sounds of horses and chariots and of a great host to the point that they think to themselves, the king of Israel must have hired a great army to destroy us. We must get out of here. You know, the word is full of amazing stories of mighty men that do incredible things. Uh, David has had his men of valor just preached not too long ago about the mighty men that went down and got him a drink out of the well of Bethlehem and, and, and how they brought that water back. And, and we've talked about the story of, of um, Jonathan and his armor bearers. They climbed the hill while everybody else is sitting down licking their wounds and, wound and, and they, they climbed that hill and, and wrought a great victory amongst their enemies. And there's stories of Moses as he parts the Red Sea and Samson as he takes on thousands with the jawbone of a donkey. And, and yet when it comes right down to the crux of the matter, the common binding factor is not their skill with weapons or warfare uh, or even their ability to lead, but the defining element of commonality is moving according to the will of God for the moment that they found themselves in. Understand that today. Understand that. When God calls on you to get up and move, when God calls upon you to speak to somebody, to go visit to somebody, to write a card to somebody, to give a smile to somebody, to witness to somebody, to pray with somebody, don't stand in the gate. Amen. You're just going to die there, but get up and move toward. You say, well, I'm no spiritual leader. I'm no spiritual giant. Let me tell you, if he can take four leopards dragging along their limbs that are falling off of their body and create a great victory and save a nation, he can take people in this church and he can use them to reach this lost and dying world. You don't have to be a priest. You don't have to be a prophet, a pastor, or a preacher to God for God to work the miraculous. And I think every once in a while, God just puts in his word just so we don't think that, well, I'm not qualified. Stories so we can go back and see he wants to remind us that it is him that has the power to overcome the enemies of our life. It's just us that moves when he says move. You may have to limp towards your miracle. But I'm telling you, God can use every single one of you. 
to work a miracle in your life or the life of somebody that needs a miracle. God can use you. You may never have a microphone in your hand. You may never stand behind a wooden or a metal pulpit. Amen. You may never step foot on a platform of a church. God does not care about that. God wants to use you. God wants to use every single one of you from the smallest child to the oldest amongst us to work his will in this world while it's still yet daytime and there's still work to be accomplished uses the most unlikely candidates to perform the greatest of tasks and bring blessings to his people. God could have raised up an army of soldiers to do the job. I mean, there was an instance there where, uh, where there was an army of uh, bones that, that God put the, the sinew and the flesh and the muscle, and they, they, they stood back up on their feet, and he said, preach to the wind. We know the wind is a type of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you need to speak to the wind. You need to let the wind. It is the wind that makes the difference. Amen. It is the Spirit of God when it blows in amongst the people that makes all the difference. We can stand up and sing some nice songs. We can hit every note right. Amen. We can reach out and shake each other's hands and tell each other how nice you look today and what a great outfit you have on. But it is the Spirit that makes a difference. Nobody gets a miracle unless the Spirit moves. And sometimes you just need to speak to the wind and let the wind move in for the miracle to take place. Well, I don't feel good. I don't feel very spiritual today. Sometimes I don't care if you have to limp towards your miracle. You may not be able to run. You may not be able to walk. You may not be in a place where God, you feel like God can use you too much. You just keep moving toward that miracle because there is a miracle waiting for you. Believe that. So God, instead of raising up an army, he uses the timid, soft steps of four leprous men as they limp down the path to the Syrian camp. And all the while they are limping down the road, God is using them to bring a victory. You don't know, you don't know how important you are. I'm talking to everybody. You don't know how important you are to God's plan. And sometimes you think, like, I got to do something. I got to do something spectacular. I've got, boy, I, I need a, I need a badge on my, on my, on my shirt. Or I need a title or a position. I, 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 no, no, you don't need any of that stuff. All you got to do is just keep walking, get up and move, do something, talk to somebody, speak to somebody, make the phone call, write the letter, do what you need to do, but move. If you've got somebody in your life that needs God, do something about it. Don't sit in the gate and die. You're going to die there. Don't worry about uh, anything else but getting what God needs to be said, said. They're limping down a road, and while they're limping down a road, taking a walk, <laughs> enemies are being scattered. <laughs> they're just doing what they can. They can't, do, they're not, what they're not, they didn't have a sword. None of them were carrying bows and arrows or spears or shields. There are four leprous men, outcasts, that couldn't even go into the city. 
castaways. And God uses them for his glory. They're simply walking. But a prophetic word from the man of God is being fulfilled. That simple? That simple. You mean I don't have to? No, you don't have You just keep moving. But I feel defeated. But victory is only a day away. Victory is right around the corner, but it ain't coming unless you're moving. A starving people were less than 24 hours away from having food on their table, all because four leprous men decided that there was nothing worse than just sitting around doing nothing. Anything is better than this. No money, no weapons, no physical strength. But God chose to move in the moment. But the moment happened when the lepers moved. They did something. There have been days when I have looked around. I've had conversations with multiple people. <laughs> I had a conversation with somebody that called me out of the blue yesterday. I hadn't talked to them in over in a year, and the Lord spoke to them and told them to give me a call. He read my mail. I mean, he 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 just totally laid it out for me in about uh, in about fifteen minute conversation. And all I could do was sit there and listen. My jaw. He couldn't see me because he's. He's, you know, a thousand miles away from me, but my jaw was was on the floor of, of my vehicle. I mean, I was, uh, I said, okay, I finally gathered my, my, my thoughts together, and I said, okay, you're done. Let me tell you where I'm at right now. There's times when we feel very inadequate. There's times when we feel overwhelmed. We're, there's times when, when we feel like we're not Big enough, good enough, smart enough to get the job done. And I'll just be quite honest with you, it's all true. But when I lean not upon my own understanding, and when I began to take the issues at hand, the problems that I've faced, the the situations that I can't control, and I begin to put them in the hands of an almighty God, and I don't just sit around doing nothing, but I get up and I begin to move. I have watched as God has come through time and time again. You're not talking to a newbie that just walked onto the scene. I've been living for God for a lot of years now, and in those years, I've faced some things, and I've saw some things, and we've had some problems here in this church, and we've had to say goodbye to some people, We've laid some people to rest and, and, and tried to understand, and God didn't always give us an answer. But what I can tell you is this we're still here. We're still moving. We've not sat down and quit. We've not given up anything. We're not backing away, but we're going to continue to move forward, even sometimes though we may only be able to limp. Because we're headed towards a miracle. I don't have doctorates. I don't have great skills. But I see a God that offers great potential. There are times when you feel 
like, yeah, God, that, that, that's, that, that's a dream. That, uh, we, we, that's a great dream, but I don't see how we're going to get from where we're at to where that dream is at. There's a little voice that'll whisper in my ear every once in a while, say, it'll never happen. You'll never have enough to do what you really want to do. And there's times when, and I'll just be a little transparent here, where I just like to kind of back away and just go sit down someplace and, and let somebody else just, that I think is more qualified, and uh, let somebody else just try to figure things out. And there, there's times when you can become weary and well-doing, even though we know we're not supposed to. Is this okay? You don't have the finances. You don't have the intelligence. You don't have the strength. Your age is creeping up on you. It's unattainable. It's unimaginable. It's unfathomable. And, and you know, I almost listen to that sometimes, and then I remember where we started. <laughs> a handful of people, a handful of money. No, a handful of people. I can remember, and I hope you don't get tired of me talking about it, but, but the older I get, the more nostalgic I get, and the more I, I appreciate those that were here in the, the, the very early stages of this thing. And how you stayed and how you you dug in roots and how you 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 walked with us through some dark dark places and we've we've shouldered uh, burdens together and and we've built things together and, and we've smiled together and we've laughed together and we've we've shed tears together and we've prayed for each other and, and we've gathered together and we've wept and and we've cried and we've enjoyed food and we've just had and I think about those early days of what was happening we walked in here there just weren't very many people and there wasn't a whole lot that would cause somebody to say ooh I want to go pastor there wasn't a church that was running a couple hundred people. Wasn't a whole lot of finances that were coming, rolling in. There wasn't a whole lot of things that would be a draw for somebody that was just looking for a job. But we didn't come here because it was a job. We came here because God said, if I call you, will you answer? Will you get up where you're com from where you're comfortable from and begin to walk? And we began to walk, and you walked with us, and then more gathered in, and we walked as a bigger crowd. And now I look around, and I think back to those early days, and when I look across this congregation, today I see the miracle that God has already given us simply because we refuse to sit at the gate and do nothing we refuse to give in but we just kept walking this road together I refuse to sit idly by and do nothing when I know what God can do We've had our dreams shattered more than once, right? Ooh, we're going to do this. We're going to try for that. And it's just like God just kept slapping our hand. No, no. You think you know what you're going to do. Okay, I guess we'll stay here. And I got so tired, so tired of, of hearing the same thing over and over again, not from us, but, but from outsiders that would come in. You need to build. 
you need to build. You need to build. And I, I told, I'm laughingly telling somebody uh, uh, the other day, I said, uh, I started telling people when they tell me, you need to build, I said, write the check. Write the check and we'll get started. It's, it's been, you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your patience. You have been patient. This is a full place in here without our kids and our young people. It's still full in here. I'll tell you, 18 years ago, I would have gone through the roof. I would have been swinging from that chandelier to have a crowd like we have this morning. And that's with the kids and the young people gone. And, and you guys have been patient for a lot of years with one bathroom. Just so you know, the new facility out here in the facility we're, we're going to right now, that building alone is going to have three bath. It's going to have six bathrooms total. I think you ought to clap your hands for that. Especially all you people with small bladders, you ought to clap your hands and thank the Lord. And then when the new sanctuary is built, there's going to be more restrooms and, and that as well. We're going to... We're going to want to spend hours. We might have church in one of the one of the bathrooms, one of these. I, you know, just thank God for, you know, maybe prayer journeys or something. I don't know what we'll do. We're, we're going to be in glorious heaven just having that many restrooms. This does not happen overnight, and miracles don't take place just because you want them to. If you want a miracle, you got to keep moving forward. You gotta keep walking. Well, huh? I'm leprous. We're gonna die. You know how easy it would have been for them to just say, let's just give up. I mean, we're doomed anyway. Nobody wants us. Why don't we just sit here until we die? But somebody said, why sit here until we die? Let's do something crazy. Let's start walking towards our enemy's camp. Do you realize that the God that we serve? <laughs> Let me tell you this old joke. This woman was praying. She had no food. She was praying. Her windows were open. She kept praying, God, I need something to eat. I, there's no food. I have no money. I, I need something to eat. All of a sudden, she went to her door. She opened up the door, and there was a whole sack of groceries there. She said, thank you, God, thank you. And all of a sudden, her neighbor, who was an atheist, jumped out, and he said, ha, I got you. She said, what do you mean? She said, God, he said, God didn't give you those groceries. I heard you praying, and I went down to the grocery store, and I brought you those groceries. And she said, oh, thank you, God, for these groceries. He said, you're not hearing me. God didn't give you those groceries. I gave you those groceries. I bought them with my own money. I set them on your door. I went down to the grocery store. She said, oh, thank you, God. She, he said, you don't understand. God didn't do anything. I paid for those groceries. She said, thank you, God, for the groceries. And God did it. God did it. God did it. And he made the devil pay for it.
I'm telling you, the God we serve can take your enemy and make them benefit your life if you just continue to move in faith, believing that there is a miracle down that road somewhere. Let me finish the story of what happened. Verse 16 says, the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So at first, these four leprous men, they, they started gathering things together and they hid a bunch of things and, 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 they, and then they got to feeling guilty. said, we can't keep this all to ourselves. We need to go back. Let the king know what's happened here. So they go back and they holler at the gate and they say, hey. So they sent out a few, like a, a, a party of men to go out and check it out. Sure enough, they were gone. They left everything behind. They scattered so quickly. They didn't even pick up their food, their supplies, none of it. It was all left behind. And so the people that were starving, they went to the camp of the Syrians. The Bible says they spoiled the tents of the Syrians. They got gathered up all the food supplies. They gathered up everything that they left behind. And so just as the prophet had said, a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to to the word of the Lord. I like how that's put in there by the writer. According, remember, according to the word of the Lord, no man got no man got credit for this. God's word said it. God's man said it. And God made it happen. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. He's telling the same guy that was just telling Elisha the day before, even if God would open the windows of heaven, how could this happen? Come on, give me a break. In one day's time, look at us. We're starving, we're a mess, we're a wreck. We're about ready to be overthrown. There's no way out. There's no answer here. It's funny how God just makes everything happen exactly to fulfill the prophecy. The king says, hey, I need you to go down, guard the gate. Guard the gate. Things get a little crazy around here. These people haven't had anything to eat for a long time, and now we're going to bring all this food out. It could get a little nuts. Guard the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. He got trampled to death. Somebody needs to hear that today. When doubt begins to creep up on you, and the naysayers begin to throw, cast their doubts, their doubting words at you, and you're standing upon the word of God. You know what his word says, but 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 at times it, it starts to get overshadowed a little bit, and then you have somebody come up and say, ah, you really believe all that stuff? That stuff needs to be trampled under your feet. Yes. Doubt got trampled upon in the gate, just as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him, and it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel. It shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. Where was the naysayer? 
Where was the doubter? He was in the doorway. Hear me. There's always going to be something standing in the doorway between you and your miracle. A voice of doubt. A naysayer. Somebody that tries to, "Mm, I don't really believe all that stuff. There's always going to be a problem that stands between you and your miracle. But problems are the doorway to the next level of growth. Don't let problems scare you. There's never a question of God fulfilling his promise. The question is who is going to be there to receive it when it comes to pass. The doubters never get the promises that the believers get. Remember that. It's having faith in God that makes all the difference. I've got 10 names for you. You can find them for yourself in Numbers chapter 13. Shemua, Shaphat, Egal, Palti, Gadiel, Gadai, Amiel, Sether, Nabi, Geuel. You know those ring a bell? Somebody tell me who those ten are. Let me give you a little hint. There's two more names that were in the same group, Caleb and Joshua. Now you know who they are? There's the 10 spies that came back with a negative report that the Bible called evil. Negative is intertwined with evil when it comes against what God has told you would come to pass. Come on, hear me today. Well, I'm just practical. Be careful. I'm just a voice of reason. Be careful. If God said it, don't be the one that stands between the faith that the believer has and the promise of the miracle that God has given because you're going to get run over. And I'm talking across the board. God's word will come to pass, and he will use whomsoever will to make it come to pass. And if I'm not willing to stand in his word and in in faith with him, if I'm not willing to do the job, if I'm going to walk along and and let everybody say, hello, king, or hello, pastor, and I'm not going to do what God will use somebody else. And if you're not willing to, God will use somebody else. Amen. We've not cornered the market on the spirit of God, but I want to be right in the midst of it. I want to have that faith. I want to see the miracles of God. And we're standing right in the middle of a miracle, but there's more to come. There's more miracles down the road. There's more problems that we're going to face. But if if you're going to be with me, if you'll stand with me, then God will make it come to pass. It will not matter what we go through. It won't matter what the problems look like. It won't matter. We're going to trudge through the gateway, and we will not sit here and die. We're going to keep moving forward. Would you clap your hands to the Lord today? Our music would come. 
The voices of negativity drifted off into the obscurity of unbelief. Nobody knows the first 10. But everybody, everybody remembers Caleb and Joshua. Caleb's like, I never let go. I never let go. 40 years I've been walking around. I'm 80 years old now. I was 40, but he doesn't, he doesn't stand there and, and, and get angry. He just says, listen, I'm just as good now as I ever was. At 80 years old, I can still see like a, uh, like a young man. I, I've never taken my eye off of that mountain. That mountain has been there. There's going to be some mountains that you're going to have to stare down. Amen. But he, Caleb, he doesn't, he doesn't shiver. He doesn't walk away. He says, here I am, 80 years old, but I'm ready to fight. Amen. I'm still ready to march into God's promise. Give me my mountain. Somebody needs to claim that today. You've been facing some things that seem bigger than you. They are bigger bigger than you, but they are not bigger than your God. Somebody needs to claim your mountain today. Somebody needs to claim your miracle today because it is not a far off. You just keep pressing forward. You just keep walking. You may be wounded. You may be injured. You may be limping, but you live towards your miracle because you will get it. Somebody said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.